repeal makes it clear that South Africa is not a safe haven for war criminals. That's according to the South Southern African Litigation Centre. The SALC initially took the matter of government's failure to arrest the Sudanese President Hassan Omar al-Bashir to the High Court in August last year. Today's ruling has now confirmed an earlier High Court ruling that government had a duty to arrest Bashir in terms of domestic and international law and that its failure to do so was unlawful. For more on this, we're on the line to the SALC criminal justice lawyer, Angela Mudukuti. A very good uh, afternoon to you and thank you very much for speaking to us. So obviously this is a very welcome decision for you. Good afternoon. Thank you for having me. It is definitely a welcome decision for us because the Supreme Court of Appeal has reinforced a very important principle, which is that South Africa had a domestic and international criminal law duty to arrest President Bashir, and that failure to do so was unlawful. Mm. And uh, you say that this is now a, a surefire way that anybody who... Uh, is not legally in South Africa, must know that this is not a safe haven. Uh, But uh, does this imply that uh, this is something that uh, South Africa was intending to do? I don't think it implies that this is something South Africa was intending to do, but I think we've witnessed that South Africa has in fact done it by inviting President Bashir and failing to arrest him. And so I think our concern is definitely to make sure that the correct precedent is set and for the government to understand that they are not above the law, nobody is above the law, and that if the court makes an order, as we saw at the High Court, the interim order preventing President Bashir from leaving the country, then everybody is bound by that order. Mm. Does this also embolden you to perhaps take the matter further because uh, the court noted that um, it believes the explanation given by government on how uh, President Abashu left the country as disgraceful? Yes, I mean, it's also something the National Prosecuting Authority has been invited to take up. You'll remember from the High Court judgment that the High Court invited the National Prosecuting Authority to consider criminal contempt of court charges. So on that side we'll have to monitor that and wait to see what the NPA makes of this judgment. Hmm. What do you think uh, it does in terms of the way forward? Again, I mean, you were fairly uh, strong in your views about how South Africa handled the matter and as you say that you believe that it invited him with the intention of ensuring that he leaves the country. I think for us it, it reinforces the fact that South Africa, the South African government cannot act in such a manner and expect to get away with it and hopefully sets the correct precedent that anybody who is wanted by the International Criminal Court is not welcome here and that there are organizations and people who are active in this space and will ensure that the South African government adheres to its domestic and international law obligations. All right, thank you very much. Angela Mudukuti is a criminal justice lawyer at the South African, or rather the uh, Southern African Litigation Centre, and it brings the time to 15 and a half past four. On the line now to Advocate Mtunzi Maga, he's a spokesperson for the Justice Department here. A very good uh, afternoon to you, Ms. Advocate Maga, and thank you very much for speaking to us. Um, where does this leave the South African government's uh, argument on fighting this issue? Um, good afternoon, Sapiso, and your listeners. It leaves us with a, a period within which we have to reflect on all the issues that the SCA judges had raised. 
um, with a view or in a bid to making a determination if there are valid grounds upon which the matter can be taken to the Constitutional Court as their final arbiter. But no decision has been taken yet because that has to be preceded by a thorough study of the judgment itself and what it means for us moving forward, both legally and politically. Hmm. I mean, there, there's a belief that this opens you up to the possibility, possibly finding South Africa being guilty of violating the Rome Statute. Look, obviously, part of that reflection by government with its legal team will be to zoom in on those issues. Um, unfortunately for me, um, government has not met and reflected on the judgment because it was delivered uh, this morning and that opportunity has not yet prevailed, which is why I'm a bit constrained in in commenting in details on the matter. Mm. But just in terms of the precedent that uh, upholding uh, the earlier High Court judgment sets, uh, you heard the SALC saying that uh, this will ensure that uh, no... No international law violators or uh, criminals or despots, whichever way you want to call it, may find a safe haven in South Africa. Of importance to ask is that there was an issue of interpretation of, of, of legislation. Because remember, there's the Immunities Act, there's the customary international law, and there was a proclamation. Um, embodying the hosting agreement which protected the foreign sitting head of state from arrest, um, which is on the basis of which he was allowed into the country as a delegate of the AU summit and not necessarily as a guest of the South African government. Uh, Vis-a-vis the Implementation Act um, exception to um, protection of the sitting head of the state. Now, it's a question of interpretation thereof, which one trumps the other, if any, of if there's a conflict. Which is why I said earlier when I spoke, there are two processes that you deal with it from a legal process point of view and also reflect on it from a political uh, point of view, which is why uh, have government or executive will have to make a political determination on the issues that have political and and legal implications. Mm. That process will only be able to unfold once the studying of the judgment and interrogation thereof of all the issues have happened, which is why I was saying earlier that I'm a bit constrained, but that's as far as we can take the matter. I understand that and I hope that I'm not putting you into a further corner by asking you this question and hope, hopefully you'll be able to answer it. You speak about obviously the uh, di- diplomatic immunity clause articles 97 and 98 of the Rome Statute. As a parallel process to South Africa perhaps considering having consultations with the ICC on, on the interpretation thereof. Can I come again on the last part? I'm asking, is government considering having consultations with the ICC on the interpretations thereof? That is Article 97 and 98 of the Rome Statute. There there had been um, consultations and there had been processes that had been put on hold when a government delegation approached the ICC, which is why I said... The matter has to be approached now on twofold, both legally and politically at the same time. But our government will have to make an announcement soon on how best to deal with the matter moving forward, having a reflection on all the issue, important issues that you just raised right now.
All right, thank you very much for speaking to us. Haga Advocate Mtunzi Maga is the spokesperson for the Justice Department. 20 minutes past four.